My name is Wellington Smith, and I'm lucky to have the assistant coach for Fairmont State University, Joe Mazzula, join the podcast today. Coach Mazzula and I joined the West Virginia Mountaineers in the summer of 2006. We grew up together and shared memories that will last a lifetime. Mazzula played four seasons at Western University for head coaches John Beeline and Bob Huggins. In his time in Morgantown, the Mountaineers made four straight NCAA appearances, including a berth in an NCAA Final Four in 2010. On this day, we focused on what it means to be a coach. Here's my conversation with Coach Joe Mazzula. So, Joe, thanks, thanks for being on today. Really appreciate it. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, how'd you get started playing basketball? Yeah, I started playing since since I was little. Uh, my dad had been a coach. He coached women's high school. He coached uh, men's high school. Uh, he always coached me growing up, so I had been around the game for a long time. Uh, my family had always been involved in, in sports, not just basketball. So uh, just growing up, I was two, three years old. I was always around in the gyms watching my dad's practices. And, uh, just kind of grew a love for the game. At two or three years old, did you start playing then? Were you you know, dribbling the ball around at your dad's practices. How did you become the player that you are, that you were at West Virginia? Always being around the game, always having a ball in my hand. Uh, I can remember vividly uh, a lot of times while there's games going on, me trying to dribble or, or shoot against the wall and it rolling onto the court as the game's going and uh, them having to stop the game. So I always had a ball in my hand and I was always dribbling, uh, you know, shooting against the wall and just you know, trying to learn as much about the game as I could. And you mentioned that you played another sport. What other sport was that? Uh, well, my dad was also a, a soccer coach and a track coach. Uh, so I had done track and soccer growing up, and he really wanted me to do soccer to focus on footwork and conditioning. Uh, so it was something that I played all the way up until junior year in high school, and I think that was very beneficial for basketball because it had helped with being in shape and, and with great footwork. And I think that's, that helps me become a, de- a good defender and uh, the player I was as I, as I grew old. That's pretty cool. Now, do you think that other high school athletes should play other sports other than their main sport, other than basketball? It depends on, on what level they're at. I do think that they should take things from each sport to help them get better at basketball. Uh, one thing that um, you know, a lot of, in college, you don't have a lot of time for skill development, but one thing that we did with a couple of our guys in the offseason was do some soccer workouts with them. And you'd be surprised how bad uh, the kids' footwork are. Uh, they, they're not able to handle the soccer ball. They can't do a lot of the drills. A lot of players now, they can't even jump rope. Uh, you know, so it, it depends on what age they are, but I think that you could take certain aspects of, of each sport and, and it helps you become better at basketball. Um, and I think footwork is one of the most important things when you watch kids kind of do some of those soccer drills or, or do a jump rope and, and their timing's off and they can't get the speed they want on the jump rope. And uh, you can just tell that they've, they've, never had, they've never had to do any of that stuff before. And, it's, and that's why they're behind. So you mentioned different skill development things that you do or that you, that you try to do at school or in college. Um, when did you find time to do that stuff? You know, in the, in the individual sessions, you know, out of season, you get a couple hours a week. Uh, during the season, you get, you know, you get four hours, uh, four hours a day, 20 hours a week. And you know, just when we played at West Virginia, getting those extra reps in before practice started or after practice started. So, you know, just having the guys trying to come in an hour before practice or stay 20, 30 minutes after practice and just working on a couple, you know, a couple of their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
Who were some of your basketball idols growing up? Some of our basketball idols. Hmm. Yeah, I think my dad was one just because of the area we grew up in. He was very, uh, he's a very influential basketball player and he was an influential coach uh, and person to the sport in our area. Uh, and, you know, he, he had a very successful career at Bryant University. Uh, my uncle had a successful career. And you know, I was just born into a family of, of sports and tradition and success. So just trying to, to hold that family name and trying to be a part of that tradition. I think was more of an idol than you know, a lot of the guys on TV. Uh, I didn't watch as much basketball growing up as I did, uh, as I probably should have, but after playing basketball and then going to soccer practices and, and going to school outside of, of my city, uh, it was a little difficult to do that. So a lot of it came from my dad and my family members. Yeah, I didn't watch much basketball either. I'm not sure why I didn't really like watching basketball. I wish I watched more. Yeah, I, I wish I did too. Uh, looking back on it, wish I would have watched a little bit more of Jordan. I mean, that was kind of the golden age of when we were playing basketball, uh, at least in middle school and in high school. We just didn't get a chance to watch him as much as we probably could have. Um, why West Virginia University? You know, just on my visit, I thought that uh, the people were great. Uh, I really believed in what Coach Beeline uh, was doing with his program. Uh, they had two successful years, Sweet 16 and Elite 8. Uh, and I just felt like he was, a, he was a great skill development coach, and he was a great mind coach. And some of the things that he had talked about on his visit, uh, you know, just the basketball IQ standpoint and what he wanted to do offensively. And, uh, they were the highest college to offer me at that point, and that, that's when I was ready to commit uh, heading into my junior year. So I just thought it was a great fit. I had went on two visits there, and I loved people. I loved campus, and you know, I really liked what the coach B I was doing. So great. How much have you, would you say, as you've grown since your freshman year in college? Unbelievable amounts. Uh, you know, I think at any time, especially when you go away to college, that you know you have to you have to find yourself as a player. You got to find yourself as a person. That's something that you know we talk to our players a lot, and uh, that that's that's something that I did. You know, some people it takes a little bit longer than others. Some people find themselves freshman year or sophomore year. Some don't until they graduate. Uh, but when they do, is is kind of when they're the most effective, whether it's in their sport or, or in their career. So uh, I definitely had changed a lot, and, and a lot of it just came from going through the process and, and just learning from the experiences that I was going mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned Coach Beeline. Uh, you also played for Coach Huggins uh, from your you know, sophomore year to your senior year. Um, yeah. You know, tell us a little more about what you learned from both coaches. You know, it was – Hard adapting to Coach Beeline at first because you, you know, you, like I said, he was a mind coach and uh, he was very positive, and that's not something that I was used to being raised by my dad. So it was, it was something that I had to get used to. And when I had gotten the Coach Hunter got there, it was a little bit easier to adapt to him because a lot of his tactics were, were what my dad had used for me growing up. So it was a little bit easier to relate to him. But you know, as I got out of playing and got into coaching, you realize that they're very similar in their basketball IQ and in their sense. They both know the game very well. I just think the biggest difference between them is their motivational tactics. I think Coach Beeline is a little bit more positive and a little bit more, like I said, of the mind, and, and, and Hugs is a little bit more of the toughness and, and the smash buff. But, you know, they're both very successful at what they do, and, you know, at the end of the day, they both know the game really well. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had learned so much from Hugs that I had really looked up to him since I've got out of playing, I really have gone back and, and studied some of the things Coach Beeline did for us when, when we played. And I actually use a lot more 
of what Coach Beeline did uh, recently than I, than I have with Coach Huggins. That's a good point. So in some of the things that you do or some of the plays that you may, may draw up, you incorporate a lot of Beeline things with Huggins, um, you know, coaching philosophy or his plays or? Um... Um, I think more of his tactics. Uh, you know, at the Division Two level now, there has to be a lot of shooting. There has to be a lot of skill. It's almost there's the, the, the really good teams at Division Two are all teams that Beeline would recruit and would coach. You know, so in recruiting, you got to try to find those skilled guys that can pass, catch, and, and really able to shoot the ball. Uh, I think that's the most important aspect of the game at any level, but especially at this Division Two level. So using a lot of the drills he, he used, money ball, curls uh, and fades, 50 and 5, uh, using the skill development test that we had to go through uh, in order to make the team in October uh, with the ball handling and, and the shooting and the mile run. It's just a lot of the, really a lot of the skill development drills that he uses uh, and a lot of the things he does with his team. I remember... Uh, we had a sports psychiatrist, Tony Adorado, come to us once a month, and I actually gave him a call last week, and he came down and, and visited our team and tried to help us a little bit. So, you know, not so much the plays or X's and O's, but just a lot of the skill development and, and the mental side of the game. Now, you mentioned, uh, and some, some things I even forgot about, that we had to still make the team once we uh, got there in the fall. Can you talk a little more about, you know, what we had to do uh, when making the team. Can you go into a little more detail about that? It, there, was, there was five tests, if I remember correctly, there was five. There was, uh, there was ball handling wraps, you had to get 120 in a minute. There was ball handling heights, you had to get 60 and 30. You had to make 50 and 5, and, and you had to make the mile. And I think there was one one I can't remember. But, you know, what, what that did and what that taught me now is, you know, you can't overlook the fundamentals and the skills. I, I, I bet there's five or six kids on every team that couldn't get through those tests you know, now, and, and we're halfway through the season. Uh, and, you know, Coach Gia did a great job of building on those fundamentals every day. And I think every player that goes through his system uh, really, really develops an unbelievable skill set and really can shoot the ball. So, um, you know, I didn't really appreciate that test then. I thought it was pretty stupid. But as you start to coach other kids and you start to learn the game, you really see how valuable that is. Oh, yeah. yeah you kind of realize that you, know, you may not – you can't wrap the ball around your waist, <laughs> or you can't, you know, make no, a No, there's players, I, I know for a fact there's players that can't do 120 ball wraps in a minute. But mm -hmm. it's, it is hard, but at the same time, you, you know, yet, as basketball players, we've been playing since we were eight, nine years old, you'd think just by having a ball in hand that you would develop those type of fundamentals, but, you know, a lot of them get taken for granted. That's true. That's very true. Um, now, what does it mean to be a coach in your eyes? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when, when what it means to be a coach, I think, is a teacher. Uh, you know, I don't have my players call me coach. They call me by my first name. You know, I don't want really a barrier to be between them. I want them to kind of be able to relate to me, especially being just three, four years uh, older than they are. But I think it's just being a teacher. I think um, if you can get guys to really understand, you know, values and, and things off the floor, I think it's going to make their, their basketball skill, it's going to make their basketball play that much better. You know, so if you can teach guys, you know, life lessons and teach them how to get through difficult situations, I think it'll make them better basketball players just by going through that process. How do you teach? Um, go up, you know, through faith. There's a couple of guys that I'm very fortunate enough to have that are, that are working on their faith just as much as I am every day, and I think that really helps them 
as people and players. And I think every player is different. If, if, if their faith is something that's very important to them, then you could apply, you know, a lot of those leadership qualities and a lot of your faith to the game and help them that way. And if it's not, just, you know, whatever they're interested in, just by, you know, sitting down and, and communicating with the, with your player and finding out what he's interested in, can, can you can help him, you know, teach and, and become a better person. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Um, what are some of the biggest rewards that you've seen or that you've experienced so far while coaching? Uh, the biggest reward, that could be tough because, you know, obviously in this business it's all about winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't win, you, you, you can lose sight of the rewards and, and you really got to work at not focusing solely much on that. Uh, but I think the biggest reward is just watching the kids, you know, just like us. I mean, we came in and we went through a maturation process when we played. So to see your kids go through that, and the most enjoyment I get is watching a film session with a player or doing a, an individual workout and then seeing them apply that on the court. That's probably the, the most satisfaction that I get because it, it shows that they're listening. It shows that they're buying the, to what you're teaching them. And as a coach, it shows that you, you, know, you know what you're doing. So that's where I get the most enjoyment is kind of watching them grow. I agree. I agree. And actually, John Flowers mentioned... Uh, on our last podcast that uh, he learned a lot about from, from you uh, and some of the drills that you've t- taken him through on being going from slow to quick or some different moves. Um, you know, so it, it shows that, you know, you are built to do this. Um, but, you know, you weren't always thinking about being a coach. Uh, why coaching? Yeah, I wasn't. And then uh, when I had that red shirt season, when I hurt my shoulder and I had um, – you know, I was on the sidelines for the game. You just you get a different perspective of being able to watch the game. Uh, you see it differently. Uh, you know, when you're a player, you don't see a lot of the mistakes that players make. But when you're sitting out every game and for the whole year, you're seeing what you know, the ups and downs of the team and what players are doing wrong. And uh, you just get a completely different perspective of the game. And that's kind of when I realized that you know this this is what I want to do is become a coach and and learn the game as best I can and, and try to teach it to other people. Now, when you, you mentioned when you sat out, you learned a lot about the game um, and that you took a lot away from that. Is, is that what you think that players should do when they're sitting out? I think every player should register. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think every single player, uh, freshman coming in, should have to register the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they don't know. They don't know. Um, you know, obviously, unless they're a high major, just, you know, one and done type guy. But, you know, for your normal student athlete, I think they should have to go through a year of adapting to college or, yeah, so, you know, I think that uh, every freshman should redshirt, you know, not only from a basketball standpoint, but from from a time management standpoint, from an academic standpoint, and, and a friend of conditioning. But that extra year really, really helps you. It may, it may not help you when you're a redshirt freshman, but when you're a junior or senior, uh, you're older and you've been there, I think that really helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look back on it now, and I wish I would have redshirted uh, my junior season just because I <laughs> couldn't jump off one leg. Uh, to have my, my stress fracture, but you know you can only you can only control what what happens now and in the future. Yep. Um, what are some of the challenges of, at coaching at your level? Some of the challenges of coaching at our level, um, you know, division choose differently. Uh, you know, finances are a challenge. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge at any level is I think the the biggest challenge really is getting guys to buy in. I think um, you know what I'm learning now is. You know, everybody's different, and you want your players to do something a certain way because that's the way you did it, but, you know, they're not you. Uh, they want ways like you, and everybody's different. So you have to find 
how each player, you know, is motivated, how each player does, why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you figure that out, that's when you, you know, you have good teams. Obviously, you have to have talent, but you also got to figure each one of your players out. And I think that's the biggest challenge is getting guys, getting guys to do what you want them to do, and getting them motivated on a consistent basis, and you know, having them understand that you know the sense of urgency of college basketball. So it sounds like you don't coach everyone the same. Is that what I'm getting? No, you can't. Because everybody's different. Everyone has a different mind. Everybody is raised different. Everyone plays the game for a different reason. Um, one of the things that we try to do is try to help kids. We try to help our guys. And I, I, I talk with about three or four of our guys. It's finding their purpose and, and why they play basketball. If you can get them to understand why they play the game, you know, then they'll be more motivated. And, and the days they don't feel like, come into practice, they'll still come because they know why they, they do what they do. So you can't coach everybody the same, and, and I did that my first year, and it's just very hard to do. You know, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that happened in that first year that you've kind of learned from? What are some of the things that you've taken away losing. from? Losing. Losing? <laughs> habitual losing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, habitual losing and humility, uh, you know. Uh, we did what my junior year was the final four and senior year was the second was the second round. Uh, obviously a big stage and then that was in March and then we go April, May, June, July, August, September, you know, about seven, eight months. Um, you know, you find yourself, you know, top ten or whatever it is and, and, and wins as a player and then you find yourself at you know, the teams two and eleven and you're sitting there like this I've never been through something like this before. Um, so, you know, so there's two ways to go about it. There's a way to, to just completely lose your mind, and then there's a, you can learn from it and humble yourself and understand that you know, you're not going to get better at what you do until you kind of go through this. You never went through this as a player, uh, so you know you probably have to go through it as a coach. Mm-hmm. Who are your, some of your coaching idols? And and the second question is that uh, who are some of the mentors that you actually still keep in contact with today? Well, you know, Hogs and Coach Beeline are definitely two of them, but when I decided to get into coaching, I really wanted to break away from what I do. Um, you know, the, my first year of coaching, I, I, you could just hear, like, a lot of the things, same things that Hugs said to us come out of me. Um, I agree with a lot of them, but the one thing I wanted to do was get, get out of that branch and really learn from, from different coaches and learn different philosophies and why other coaches are successful. So uh, there's two people that I work with in Athletes in Action that I've done uh, some sports ministry tours with, and one of them is on staff at Gonzaga, and I speak with him regularly about the game, and he's got great insight. He was a, a coach overseas, and he was a coach at Baylor, and then now he, he helps at Gonzaga. So anytime I can get wisdom and information from him, that's great. And really just a lot of reading, reading a lot of books, reading a lot of articles. Um, you know, I enjoy Fred Hoiberg because of his kind of, he's using an NBA system in college, so, you know, I like to see how that's successful. Uh, Ken Rowley, just because of his energy and, and what he does from a leadership and a, and a mental standpoint. Uh, you know, just just whatever coach, I try to take one or two things from every coach, uh, you know, and just try to learn and, and study that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, constantly keep on learning um, in any profession that you do, obviously. Um, tell us about your head coach, uh, Jared Calhoun. You know, what does he like to, to work for or work with? Um, and why also, you know, why should a, a player go to Fairmont State? You know, working for Coach Calhoun is great. Um, you know, he's a, he's a young coach as well, uh, but we have a great chemistry, to, you know, from him being at West Virginia and coaching. 
uh, us for three or four years. So I think the most important thing in a staff is having that loyalty and that chemistry, and you know, that's why we work so well together. And he has great trust in me. And uh, whenever you work with someone, you got to know what they want, uh, what they expect from you, uh, kind of what they're thinking, and you know that's that's the chemistry really helps that. So you know, working for him is great. I'm, uh, I'm allowed to do what I think is best for the program as long as it's, you know, under him and he's, and he, you know, respects it. And uh, I'm allowed to voice my opinion. And he's, he's really big on his assistants growing uh, as coaches and as people. Uh, so he's never, he's never down to the assistant speaking up in practice or, or, you know, speaking up in a meeting. And I think that's great. That's helped me become a better coach. And, you know, Fairlot State's a great opportunity uh, for players. We have unbelievable facilities and, it's only 20 minutes from, from West Virginia University. And uh, the one thing that we really talk to our recruits and our players about is the tradition. Uh, back in the, you know, from 1960 to about 1980, there was a coach by the name of Joe Retton. Uh, he had 10 All-Americans, and uh, there's a whole wall of tradition of, of Hall of Fame guys that he had and uh, conference championships and NAI uh, tournament appearances and just unbelievable tradition. And that's something that, you know, we talk to our guys about, and that's something that we really want to, to, to get into, you really want to dig deep into that tradition and, and bring it back out, and you know, and really you know bring a championship and, and bring a winning tradition back to the community. Well, that's you know that's helpful, and that's that's a that's amazing. Um, you know, I'm really happy that we got a chance to go on the phone here uh, and, and talk a little more about yourself and, and what you've been through as a player and also as a coach. Um, the last question. Uh, where can people find you? How can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you about coaching tips or a player that they think that could uh, make it to your level? Uh, my email address is uh, M-A-P-Z-U-L-L-A-21 at gmail.com. Uh, I guess you sent right to my phone. That's kind of uh, that's how I keep in contact with a lot of other coaches and a lot of people. So if they ever have any questions or uh, I know about the podcast or about a player or about you know, anything that involves coaching, let's uh, feel free to shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Great. Again, well, this is this was incredibly helpful. Really appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, good luck for the remainder of the year, Coach. I appreciate it, Well, Thanks for, uh, thanks for choosing me and uh, um, good luck to you too. Thanks, man. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening to the Game Changer Basketball Podcast. If you're a basketball coach and want to use the Game Changer Basketball app for instant stats, shot charts, and recap stories, Please feel free to download the app on your iOS device and create your team, or you can create your team online, gc.com create. Follow us on Twitter at GC Sports Hoops, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gamechangerbasketball. If you like the show, please be sure to give us a positive review that makes the episode easy to find for coaches like yourself. Like always, keep teaching, celebrating, and learning from your players and coaches around you.